I have been waiting for a long time to see that video on that screen. Uh, the, weight, the weight of this idea that a yes that could happen today could change the legacy of lives of people that we've never met. The weight of the idea that a yes that you have in this moment, in this place, could literally have rippling effects for generations. The weight and the hope and the opportunity that what we do in this room right now matters is, is everything to me. If we don't believe that, then I really don't believe anything in the gospel. If we don't believe that in this moment, in this place, in this space, that what we do and how we respond to the gospel matters and can change things for a lifetime and for generations, then I don't, I don't subscribe to any of it. The genesis of everything that happened in that video started in this space. The genesis of everything there, refugee feeding programs, human trafficking uh, initiatives, education programs, sustainable farming, church planting, everything started in this room, this sacred space right up here. I was looking at this dude in the jean jacket and the, and the champion hoodie, right where you're sitting. What's your name, buddy? Roy. Roy. All right, Roy, stand up. Roy. Everybody say what up, Roy. I'm, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal, this isn't just a trick to get you to pay attention to me. Right here, somebody heard a missionary and heard about a need and they decided God was telling them to say yes. And so they decided that they were gonna bike across the country and raise money. Just three dudes from North Central. Three dudes that didn't own a bike, that weren't cyclists, they weren't very good athletes, and they weren't much better looking at all. Uh, just three dudes that said yes. Three months later, 3,300 miles later, they raised $18,000 for this missions project, which could have been a million dollars. From that moment, from that moment, three students has turned into tens of thousands of students hiking, biking, and running. From that moment, $18,000 has turned into $25 million just in the last 10 years for missions work. You can have a seat. From that moment, in this room, from that moment in this room, this morning, 500 girls woke up in a safe place. They woke up and they had food. They woke up and they had education. They woke up and were told that they were loved and that people loved them and they woke up and they knew that there was a savior in heaven that cared enough about them to move in the hearts of people they would never meet in a different part of the world to be a part of their rescue. This morning, 20,000 refugees woke up and received nutrients and meals from people across the globe that they've never met because the gospel invites us to say yes. This morning, education programs are going on. This morning, sustainable farming is going on. This morning, we have microfinance. This morning, there are churches being planted in some of the most difficult areas on the planet, less than 1% gospel witness, mortar shells flying all over, oppressive governments literally putting hits on Christians Christians lives this morning because somebody said yes right up there generations are changed and so when I show up I don't think I've been in this space anytime in the last 10 years this specific space where I haven't said this is sacred I looked at Jeremy and I'm like it never gets old does it it never gets old you might be tired you might have a lot on your plate you might have not got asked on a date very recently but right now in this moment, 
in this moment, you don't know. You don't know if the yes that you say right now, how it's going to change not only their lives, because we like to talk about their in nonprofit and mission world, but how it'll change your life, how it'll change this room. Because what's happened since then is that this room has been a part of the venture story leading the way. The people in this room have been leading in miraculous ways. We do hiking, biking, and running trips. We unashamedly call people to live a less comfortable life. And this room has led. North Central alum Christina Skane and her dad decided last year they were going to climb the highest mountain in Colorado, and they ended up raising a measly $50,000 to fight human trafficking. They said, well, that went pretty well. And so later this month, they're going to have a team of 25. They're going to hike the Grand Canyon with a goal of raising $100,000 because of the leadership in this room. Brent Silkey, North Central alum, turned his 30th birthday. Yeah, we all love that dude, right? If you don't know him, then you're not on social media. Uh, He turned his 30th birthday into over half a million dollars going not only to rescue vulnerable girls, but to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Later this year, North Central alum Jeremy Collier is going to try to break the North Central or the venture record of how fast he can ride his bike across the country. We normally do it in two to three months. He's going to try to do it in one month with a team of people. Not because he's a rock star, although he is, but because he wants to do something difficult on behalf of people he's never met because the gospel invites us to do that. When we say yes, we just don't know what's going to happen. Earlier this summer, our president, President Hagen, and North Central alum, Alex Grant, led a, tr- a team to climb to the highest mountain, the lowest point of the highest mountain, but nonetheless, the highest mountain. They went to Everest Base Camp to raise money and awareness to fight human trafficking and to plant churches in some of the most difficult areas. This room is a room that's full of dreamers and adventurers, but that all means nothing if we're not a room of people that say yes to what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. It was earlier this month, one of my favorite days of the year, that we had our Venture Gala. And that's simply a fancy word. It's gala, gala, whatever. It's a fancy room or a fancy word for the fact that I have to put on a suit and tie and gather a bunch of our friends and we talk about what's happening in the the, uh, venture community. We had one of our partners. Her name was Hannah. Some of you may have met her, maybe seen her video, but her story's incredible. She's from Nepal, and her people group is the Badi. They are literally known as untouchable or the trafficked people. And she would tell stories about how her society told her she was so worthless that at five years old, she was woken up in the middle of the night by soldiers and given a bomb to carry through the jungle because they said, if the bomb goes off, you're expendable. Five years old. Her sister was trafficked when she was seven years old, and her sister would have things done to her more than 20,000 times over the next eight years. Hannah also told the story of how she was rescued They intercepted her and she was able to find safe housing in one of our partner's safe houses. Hannah talked about being the first person in her entire people group to graduate from college there. She talked about the fact that she began a relationship with Jesus there. She talked about the fact that her sister was found and rescued and is now serving Jesus. She talked about the fact that her sister's kids are now serving Jesus. She talked about the power of somebody saying yes and how it changes other people's lives. She told a a new story that I hadn't heard and the work that we get to do on a regular basis, we hear incredible stories and heart-wrenching stories all the time. But she talked about one of the places that we are trying to get into in Nepal, a village where 70% of the kids will be trafficked, a place where 
Men in families start grooming young girls at two and three years old in the huts. And she went to this area. In this area, there was, a, there was a village, a tribe that was so impoverished that they didn't have houses, they didn't have huts. They literally slept on the floor of the jungle. And she saw a young girl along the side of the road. She figured she was between seven and nine years old. And this, this girl went up to a gentleman who was waiting for the bus as the buses go through these rural areas. And she went up to this gentleman because he had a packet of biscuits. Now, biscuits for them is like something between a thing of crackers like Ritz and maybe a granola bar. And this young girl between seven and nine, so depleted of nutrition and without hunger, went up to this, this gentleman and said, if you give me those biscuits, you can do whatever you want to my body. We don't think that bodies should be traded for biscuits. We don't think that that should be an option. And this story, when we heard it, just messed with my mind. It interrupted my life, a life that hears stories like this all the time. But it was an interruption and a reminder. Sometimes we think of human trafficking in terms of really bad men doing really bad things and forcing. But we don't always think about all of the other things like oppressive poverty and hunger and people being displaced from their land. We don't think about all of those things. And in my mind, I'm like, what do we do? How, how do I let my life be interrupted enough to respond to this? Because in 1 John 3:17, there's this verse that says, hey, if you call yourself a Christian and you have means enough or you have money enough to live well and you see a brother or sister in need, and you don't do anything about it, how is the love of God in you? If you don't hear anything else, chew on that verse, not my words. Right, doesn't that mess with you? It doesn't say you should pray about feeling called to be a part of this ministry, or you should call and see if you should get involved in compassion ministry, or you should move to this part of the city. It doesn't say any of that. It says if you, if you are a Christ follower, or say that you're going to be one and you have money enough to live well, and let me tell you, y'all live well. Doesn't matter if you're in the new dorms or the old dorms. We don't say dorms, we say living units, residence halls. That's right, brother, hallelujah. Um, (laughs) But you live well, and if you see need and you don't do anything about it, guess what the conversation is? Mm, It isn't a conversation about if you're going from hell to heaven. That's done through the work of Jesus on the cross. But it's like, hey, what's going on in your heart if you can't be moved to do something? This this verse, this story has interrupted my life. It has impacted how I see the world. It has impacted my budget, my fiscal allocations, my charity disbursements. It's interrupted if I think I need another cup of coffee, another pair of jeans, another dress chucks. It interrupts those things. It interrupts how I teach my kids where I live. These kind of stories have interrupted my life and the gospel has interrupted and said, I, I am asking you to engage yourself and other people in a conversation and a question, it's the Socratic method, if you say the love of Jesus is in you, what does that look like with your neighbor and with the world? When was the last time you were interrupted? When was the last time you read something in scripture and didn't just kind of meld it all with everything else, but you let it interrupt you? 
When was the last time you said, if this is true, what does it mean for my life? When was the last time a dream interrupted you? When was the last time a chapel interrupted you? If, that, if Dr. Tennyson's wife or mother doing this didn't interrupt your life, then you don't have an interrupter, all right? When was the last time that you didn't just feel deeply and pray heavily, but you let it interrupt your life? Uh, it was earlier last week, I believe, that another uh, North Central alum, Shana Fowler, talked about the patron saint of nearness, Mary. And Mary, if nothing else, let her life be interrupted. Lots of stories of just interrupting things. And in Mark, we have an account. And in Mark, it says this, Mark 14, verses 3 through 9. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table. A woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard, or spikenard or whatever, but it was expensive. And she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been used or sold for more than 300 denarii, and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. Remember that, they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For the poor you will have with you always, and whenever you wish you can do good to them. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, this woman, what this woman has done, will be told as a memorial to her. So we're gonna do a little quick memorial to Mary about what was going on here. Because there's a lot of things that are happening, but we have a short window, so we're gonna look through this text through the lens of interruption. Because Mary walks into this social arrangement and she interrupts it. She is moved by her relationship with Jesus who is her savior and she is so moved that she disrupts the social order. She goes right in the middle and women weren't supposed to go right in the middle of anything but she does it and she goes right up to Jesus. She is moved and that moving makes other people uncomfortable. It doesn't just interrupt the social order. First and foremost, it interrupts Mary's life. It interrupts her rhythm. It interrupts her budget line items because it says that Mary walks in and pours over this oil that's 300 denarii. And, and that's a fairly ambiguous because we don't know what spike nard is and we don't know what nard in another place is and we don't know what 300 denarii, but basically a denarii was about one day's wage. And so if we do kind of the math, of what one day's wage is, whether we talk about minimum wage at $9.96 or the average raise wage at $27, we're talking about a flask that's worth between $20 and $68,000. That's a whole lot of cash. And she takes this and she pours it over him. When was the last time you gave up an entire year's salary for something that God asked you to do? And she does this and she pours it over. She is showing, she is so moved in worship, she is so moved in generosity that she does this act that not only interrupts the moment and not only interrupts her life, but it actually interrupts the other Jesus folks around her. There are a room full of people that like Jesus just like this, a room full of people that like Jesus. But you know what a room full of people who like Jesus don't like? When you move outside of their box. When you move outside of the preconditioned box that says this is how we worship, 
This is what generosity is. This is the appropriate amount of money. This is the appropriate way that we hang out with one another. This is the appropriate way we vote. This is the appropriate place that we live. This is the appropriate school we send our kids to. This is the appropriate. You know what? We, we get agitated when other people don't follow our rules and yet scripture says when you see somebody in need and you don't do anything, hey, there's something going on that needs to be fixed. The world, hey, the world just wants to domesticate you. The world wants to tame you. Religion wants you to behave. The upside down kingdom, led by the unruly rabbi, wants you to change the rules. The upside down kingdom, led by the unruly rabbi, wants to invite you into a different way of approaching your life. You see, we are all comfortable with the notion that we were interrupted out of hell and into heaven. We all have some kind of a moment where we know that there was a shift of year. But when was the last time you just let yourself be continually interrupted? Four decades later, I hear this story of a young girl who literally willingly said, for biscuits, you can do whatever you want to me, and now I have to decide what to do with that. It interrupted me. My whole life I've read scripture, and then I read 1 John 3.17, and I go, oh, it's not some people's responsibility to care for the poor, the oppressed, the widow, the orphan. It actually says if you see anybody in need, and you don't respond, you probably need to engage in a deeper conversation about what it means to have the love of God in you. And this should be an invitation that we take back to our rooms, back to our floors, back to our apartments, back to our families, back to our churches, because we, if we're not careful, just slip back into a level of complacency, that 10% is good enough, or going and packing meals one day around Thanksgiving is good enough, or I did my missions trip, that's good enough, when instead, this isn't just about compassion, this isn't just about justice, this is about responding to the gospel and recognizing the power of our lives being interrupted in this moment can change everything. First John 3, 17. It's interrupted my life. It's interrupted finances, it's interrupted job, it's interrupted how we teach our family, it's interrupted church. And I'm reminded that we are supposed to be interrupted. I'm reminded that this morning, even though you may not have prepared for it on November 12th, but that your yes can impact the legacy of generations in a part of the world that most of you will never go to. And the commitment of what discipleship looks like in this room to create space for us to have this kind of a conversation means that we have to have space to flesh that out. And Venture and North Central along with Pioneer take this question and this responsibility seriously. To create space in a moment like this when you hear about needs like that to go what does it look like for us to respond? And so for five years, we've been doing something called Hope for Dinner. If you have participated in Hope for Dinner over the last four or five years, raise your hands. All right, a lot of people, but not enough people. So let me catch you all up, all right? 
I mean it. I was uh, praying about this. We've done Hope for Dinner for five years. Uh, Dr. Graham uh, and I had this conversation and I really was like, you know what, maybe it's losing its momentum. Maybe it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And then you hear stories about what need looks like and this, this overwhelming sense that we have to be a people that respond. That this is not just practice for future ministry, this is not just practice for when you leave this place, but this is right now responding to the gospel that what we do today, tomorrow, the next day, what we do changes people's lives. So hope for dinner, it's a really easy concept. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just after chapel today and the next couple of days, you simply trade what you eat for lunch. You don't have to fully fast. You don't have to give it all up. You simply trade what you would normally eat in the cafeteria and you choose beans and rice. Now, beans and rice, ain't nobody going to set up a restaurant and a whole franchise chain on beans and rice, but most of the world live on some, some iteration of beans and rice. And when you choose to give up pizza, yogurt, cereal, sandwiches, all of the goodies, and just eat beans and rice for three days, just Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, just for lunch, Pioneer will give the difference. The difference is just two bucks. You're like, ah, what can two bucks? And if you're a math major, you go, that's $6 over three days, well done. Um, What does six bucks do? Let me tell you what that does. Every dollar provides 10 refugee meals. Wrap your mind around that. If you go three days of just eating beans and rice, just for lunch, you provide 60 meals. I go back to 1 John 3, 17. If you see a brother and sister in need, did you not see the video? If you see a brother and sister in need, if you love God, if you have the means to live well and you don't respond, I know that's heavy-handed and I'm sorry, but it's scripture. You are provided an opportunity and sometimes when we're here and I see people picking something else, let me, let me be very clear with you. Beans and rice is enough nutrients for the basketball team to beat, I think, Carlton later today. Beans and rice is enough nutrients for you to flourish and get all A's, I promise. Beans and rice is enough for you to be powered for your date tonight. It's awesome. Beans and rice can do it. All we are asking you to do is practice what the gospel invites us to do, and that is to move from our level of comfort to slightly less comfortable so that other people can thrive. There's a main character in a book that came down from heaven, from comfortable to less comfortable on behalf of us, and we, we are called, we are invited, we are prodded, we are poked, we are challenged, we are inspired to do the same on behalf of other people. And those meals, those meals make a difference. It's not, food is just the bridge towards other things. Food is just the bridge. If 500 people in this room would do for the next three days, we would provide over 30,000 meals. And that's just the start. That bridge then goes into education, microfinance, sustainable farming. It goes into church planting. And it responds to needs at a moment's notice. Earlier this year, In the region where we serve, the worst monsoons on recorded record were happening. Guess what? In the places where we serve, the UN and the Red Cross could not get in. Guess who could get in? The local church that is providing the meals through what you guys choose to do today. North Central students over the last five years have provided 87,000 meals. 87,000 meals while you're getting an education, while you're hearing from God about what your future looks like, you are changing other people's future. 
And it's not just responding to immediate needs at a moment's notice. We also got meals into a country that we can't even talk about in public, but a closed country through the underground church and the first shipment of meals resulted in 11 families coming to Christ. You are not just responding to immediate needs, but you are giving eternal hope. Now here is, okay, here's the deal. I love that you're clapping. I love that almost all of you are looking at me. I've only seen two people sleeping and that's okay. You probably had a rough night. But the rubber hits the road when we walk out. We can all shake our heads. It is what evangelicals are incredible at. Mmm, well, mmm, yeah, that's good. But guess what? Ain't nobody over there receiving your head shake. Nobody over there is receiving nutrients because you feel deeply. Nobody over there is going from being raped to being holistically told that they're a child of the king unless you, unless you decide that you are going to change how you live for the next three days. It's very easy. We've made it easier than ever. If you have a meal plan, you can go down to the cafeteria, you make the choice. We're so thankful to Pioneer. We have leaders this year that thought creatively, Bridget and Jenna are probably out serving already. Yeah, they're pretty great, right? So you can actually get a meal to go. There's beans and rice right out there. You can swipe your card, beans and, you can take it to class, you can take it to your apartment, you can take it on the road. It's like clickbait for dating, to be honest, because you're saying, I'm a Christian and I'm a global citizen. It's incredible, right? Like just carry that little to-go bag wherever you go. This year, this year, right now, Young girls are being trafficked all over the world. This year right now, and you don't even have to go across the ocean in my neighborhood, people are sleeping on floors, they're sleeping in shelters, they're sleeping in places that if you open your eyes, you will realize is not okay. And when we open our eyes and we see that our yes can make a difference, the gospel gets more powerful. The gospel is available to every person through the cross to go from hell to heaven, and then it invites us to more. It invites us in this moment on November 12th to have our lives interrupted. It invites you to not be cynical. It invites you not to self-select out. It invites you not to go, well, I'm not called to that. I don't give two shakes about what you feel called to. I don't. We'll leave that to the incredible staff and faculty here. You don't have to wait to be called. You just have to open your eyes and see and respond. Read scripture, see the pain, and do something. This story and this verse has interrupted my life and my prayer is that you are agitated, that you are frustrated. My prayer is some of you are ticked off at me. And my prayer is that that agitation will cause you to move from what is comfortable to something else so that the bride of Christ looks far more beautiful than it did when we came in here. Everybody stand up. Come on, stand up. Here's how we're going to close. We're going to pray for our meal. We are gonna partake in beans and rice. I want Pioneer to have the biggest problem in the world that they have all this other kind of food that nobody is touching. I'm gonna ask the staff and the faculty, lead the way. Let the students see you eating beans and rice. I'm gonna ask those people that live off campus, do something along the lines of beans and rice. And students, I'm gonna ask you, for three days, just three meals, around it, I don't care, but for three days, would you not be cynical? Would you not try to engage in such deep, pensive thinking? Would you just look at scripture that invites us to do something? Would you see the world and would you do something about it? Decade ago, somebody was right up there by my boy Roy. And that yes resulted in $25 million in aid, in church planting, in life-changing help. 
$25 million that says Jesus and the kingdom is the only answer. Will you be interrupted? Will you tell the world that wants to domesticate you that you will not be domesticated? Will you tell religion that wants to tame you that you will not be tamed, you will not be judged by your good behavior, but would you stand up and say, I serve the upside down kingdom, the unruly rabbi, and I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to do something today. Jesus, we thank you that you have given us food. And we pray for those who don't have nutrition, that don't have safety. We don't just pray for them and then we walk away, but we ask you, what is our responsibility in it? We don't just wanna feel deeply, we want to change our behavior, our lifestyle, our pattern. We wanna be a campus that will change the world. We want this sacred space to continue to be sacred that you would decide that your spirit can saturate this place because our responses represent a kingdom that is calling us to live and act and serve. And we pray that the world would know that the only true eternal hope is your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you bless the food. Amen. (laughs) Have a great day.